Chapter Nine of Wilderness: A Journal of Quiet Adventure in Alaska by Rockwell Kent. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: New Year. To Rockwell, who asked what happened on the New Year that everybody sat up to see it come, we tried hard to tell all sorts of yarns about explosions and rumblings, but he wouldn't believe a bit of it. He might have said how can anything like that happen here where nothing ever comes from the sky except rain so far the new year is just exactly like the old's latter end but that it is more joyous and the joy came at eleven thirty p m of january first gliding by about two miles out in the bay a dazzle of lights like a fairy citadel the steamer at my cry rockwell sat up in bed and gazed too olson unfortunately was in bed and we did not call him so i set out at once to work writing tying up parcels making lists until two o'clock of this morning at eight we had olson out of bed i hung about there threatening him ordering him begging him to hurry old men are hard to move fast he shaved standing up there in his cabin with the door wide open and the goats playing about him i let him have a bite of breakfast but not much the dory had to be unbound for we tie them to the ground and turned right side up and loaded and launched but all that only after half an hour's cranking of the engine the infernal things it would look like snow one minute and be fair the next but it held fair enough finally for Olson to get off and disappear, to our immense joy. He laughs at our eagerness to get him off for the mail. Yesterday was Olson's day for celebrating, and many times we drank to the New Year together. But I would work to his disgust. Still, he understands pretty well the strange madness that possesses me, and is not at all unsympathetic. I explained to him one day the difference between working to suit yourself and working to suit other people. He'd defy the world at any time he chose, no matter how poor his fortunes. Well, now we wait for mail. Already I'm impatient for Olson's return, and that cannot well be before the day after tomorrow. Rockwell and I walked around the bay in the afternoon, more to have a look toward Seward, where our mail comes from, than for anything else. But Seward was hidden in falling snow. All the bay was shrouded in mist and snow. But our own cove was beautiful to look back upon, with its white peaks and dark forest, and far down at the water's edge our tiny cabins, from one of which the thick smoke of the smoldering fire curled upwards. Sunday, January 5th. Olson is still away. It is wearing to wait this way in hope, for we will hope, even if the wind blows and the snow falls. And so it has done. The day following Olson's departure it was wonderfully fair and calm, but the next day, it being the day he should have returned, a heavy snowstorm set in. And today, with less snow, there was more wind not so much that he could not have come, but enough that he didn't. We walked down the beach and scanned the bay with the glasses, and up to dark I looked continually for the little boat to be rounding the headland. It seems as if that were all the news, 
but the days have really been full of work and other interest. The snow itself, lying deep and light and over all, even the treetops, is a delight. Rockwell and I played bear and hunter today, tracking each other in the woods. Only the goats are miserable these days, with their brows all covered, but what they can gnaw from the tree trunks. Billy at this season is a fury. One has really to go armed with a clout. Yesterday he burst in the door of Olson's shed, and then inside managed to shut the door on himself. When I investigated the strange banging that I'd been hearing for some time, I found him. He had even piled things against the door. While no actual damage has been done, he has tossed every blessed thing about with his horns. Boxes, pails, sacks of grain, cans, rope, tools, all lie piled in confusion upon the floor. It does no good to beat the creature. He will learn nothing. It is about one-thirty a.m. I've written more than I intended writing. My heart is set upon the mail, and nothing else. Monday, January 6th. With Olson still away and the mail with him, what can there be to report? It snows. It is so mild that we walk about hatless, coatless, mittenless. Drip, drip, drip goes it from the eaves continuously. The snow has fallen from the trees. On the ground it lies deep and heavy. Tomorrow maybe we shall take to snowshoes. Rockwell and I each took a trip along the beach to look for Olson. As I stood there, peering into the haze toward Seward, a head arose from the water close to me. It was a seal. He looked all about him for the greatest while, went under, reappeared again, nearby once more, and then was gone. Billy burst open that shed of Olson's again. Some day I shall murder a goat. Wednesday, January 8th. Two more days and Olson still away. I'm furious at him. Yesterday he could well have come. Today it has been impossible. We seem to do little here but wait. Even at the height of today's storm I found myself continually going to the little window to look for a boat. Rain and snow, rain and snow. Ah, if only we had our mail here, then these warm white days would be delightful. Yesterday we wore our snowshoes for the first time, but only to tramp down the cove and look toward Seward. The only recompense for Olson's absence is Nanny's milk. I'm an expert milker now, and can do the job before she finishes her cup of oats. I have to, for at the finish she leaps madly to escape me. Goat's milk, junket, and orange marmalade. Sublime. Friday, January 10th. One hour ago it was as beautiful a moonlit night as one ever beheld. The softest veils of cloud passed the moon and cast over the earth endlessly varied luminous shadows. The mountain tops, trees, rocks, and all are covered with new snow. The valleys and the lower levels are black where rain has cleared the trees. It is so beautiful here at times that it seems hard to bear. And now, at this moment, the rain falls as if it had fallen for all time and never would cease. Oh, Olson, Olson, is it anything to you in your old age to be so madly wanted? 
here it truly is conceivable that any condition of bad weather could visit us for months without relief there seems no rhyme or reason to it until you see it as the reverse of marvellously fair weather a blue sky is here as wrong as rain in a rainless desert land nothing has happened i am making good drawings and have made two small woodcuts billy to-day again tackled the door of olson's shed my fixing of the lock proved too good that held while he burst the door to pieces i caught him at the finish of it i became a maniac at such a time i pursued the beast with a club at a mad chase through the heavy snow catching him often enough to get some satisfaction at least in the beating i gave him he fears me now and that's something gained but it's a bad matter both for billy and for me it is now after midnight and i've just finished a drawing rockwell is concerned about these late hours and when i told him that i could work so very well alone at night he seriously suggested that i send him out in the daytime to stay all day without dinner so that i could work better i'm reading about king arthur and the round table to him that's good for both of us he has made himself a lance and a sword and to-morrow i expect to confer some sort of knighthood upon him apropos of the book of king arthur rockwell said to-day i don't think the pictures in the book are half nice enough i think of a wonderful picture when you read the story and then when i see the one in the book i'm disappointed and these king arthur pictures are rarely good in execution it just shows that one need not attempt to palm off unimaginative stuff much less trash on children the greatest artists are none too good to make the drawings for children's books imagination and romance in pictures and stories a child asks for above all and these qualities in illustrations are the rarest monday january thirteenth of the three days that have again passed two have been quite fair enough for olson to have come both yesterday and to-day rockwell and i made frequent trips down the shore to look for him it is terribly depressing to have your heart set upon that mail that doesn't come i begin to think that some other cause than the weather holds olson away it is possible that the steamer we saw going to seward was no mail steamer and that olson who has gone for his pension money is waiting for a mail i feel like making no record of these days i take pleasure only in their quick passage saturday night rockwell received the order of knighthood for three-quarters of an hour he stayed upon his knees watching over his arms he was all that time as motionless as stone and as silent now he is sir lancelot of the lake and jousts all day with imaginary giants and wicked knights he has rescued one queen for himself but as yet none for me we have run about some on our snowshoes though the snow is nowhere deep enough for that except along the shore the weather is still mild hardly freezing at all and it forever successively rains snows and hails all the animals are still alive i don't love them they're rather a nuisance nothing could be less amusing than a blue fox 
small creatures excessively timid of cowed demeanour saturday i had to get a bag of fish from the lake where they had been soaking and cook up another great supply of fox food wednesday january fifteenth yesterday to begin with a snowstorm and then a clear gray day today blue sky in the morning a north wind and bitter cold gray again at noon and mild by the geological survey report of kenai peninsula january should average in temperature at seward sixteen degrees from now on it must average close to zero to give us sixteen for the month here it's not as cold as new york rockwell bathed to-night standing within six feet of the open door i have definitely decided that olson stays for some cause other than the weather although to-day and yesterday he could not have come we snowshoed a bit to-day alaska snowshoes are certainly the easiest that ever were to travel on thursday january sixteenth well after to-day there remains no doubt that olson stays away purposely unless he's sick or dead rockwell's theory that seward has been totally swept away by a terrible fire with every man woman and child of its inhabitants i disproved to-night we walked down the beach and there were the lights of the great city brighter it seemed than ever either there has been no mail-boat at all since early in december or there has been no mail from juno whence olson's check as he calls it comes well it profits us nothing to speculate on this the day has been glorious mild fair with snow everywhere even on the trees the snow sticks to the mountain tops even to the steepest barest peaks painting them all a spotless dazzling white it's a marvelous sight rockwell and i journeyed around the point to-day and saw the sun again to-night in the brilliant moonlight i snowshoed around the cove there never was so beautiful a land as this now at midnight the moon is overhead our clearing seems as bright as day and the shadows are so dark from the little window the lamplight shines out through the fringe of icicles along the eaves and they glisten like diamonds and in the still air the smoke ascends straight up into the blue night sky saturday january eighteenth two beautiful days these last and to-night the wind blows and the snow falls and it is very cold the days are uneventful we journey many times down the beach over our snowshoe trail that's our out-of-doors diversion to look up the bay toward seward but the view is beautiful loftier mountains more volcano-shaped are about seward and they're dazzling white yesterday rockwell found otter tracks crossing from the salt water to the lake a lot of them it's wonderful to think that those fine creatures have crossed the five long miles of water their footprints are as large as a good-sized dog's they seem to have a great time frisking about as they travel on one little slope they have made a slide no footprints are there at all only the smoothly worn track we see no wild life as a rule but the eagles they're all about in plenty magnificent birds when seen close to and when flying at the mountain's height still surprisingly large 
the milk goat is dry so that's one chore less rockwell feeds the goats every day but i can't trust him with the foxes he'd leave the door open as likely as not it was reserved for olson himself to let this happen may twenty ninth he writes in a letter to me had a skeer or accident on the eighteenth i vas putting some grace on to the fox corrals and i must have left the hook a van it turned round the door was open and one fox gone the little female in the corral next to the goat house and the fox var over at the tent i called to them and was support em to come back and get some supper and he sat down and looked at me but finally most off up the hill i take the other fox and put em in the other corral and left the two toe corrals open and put feed in the same as nothing had open the first night i did not sleep very well the second night and not showing up but next night i came out to the corral the feed was gone and the pan and the fox was sleeping on the box where he always do and i felt a little better than the door are shut i'm hard at work painting by day and drawing at night twenty-five good drawings are done in the fair warm days rockwell spends most of his time out of doors being sir lancelot still delights him and there's not a stump in the vicinity that has not been scarred by his attacks with lance and sword these stumps are really mostly all giants i am now reading the department of agriculture yearbook it's very instructive tuesday january twenty first the north wind rages tonight. it is cold and clear starlight with the violent wind gusts the snow sweeps by in clouds sweeps by except for what sweeps in over my work table it descends in a fine wet spray so that i've had to cover that place with canvas and work elsewhere a wild day it has been and a wild night is before us and yesterday was little brother to it these days are wonderful but they are terrible it is thrilling now with olson absent to reflect that we are absolutely cut off from all mankind that we cannot in this raging sea return to the world nor the world come to us barriers must secure your isolation in order that you may experience the full significance of it the romance of an adventure hangs upon the slender threads a banana peeling on a mountain top tames the wilderness much of the glory of this alaska is in the knowledge i have that the next bay which i may never choose to enter is uninhabited that beyond those mountains across the water is a vast region that no man has ever trodden a terrible ice-bound wilderness we began to think less of olson's return i have settled to my work and can imagine things continuing as they are for weeks they will continue so unless the wind forsakes the north two days ago from a very cold night we awoke to thunder and lightning and snow in two hours the sun was out that afternoon i stripped and danced a while in the snow a little while then after a hot bath out again in my nakedness for a roll in the snow dressed and felt a new man rockwell loves it all more and more he seems absolutely contented and spends hours a day outdoors 
what a marvel is a child's imagination it is a treat for rockwell to play man-eater at bedtime and attack me furiously if at any time i'll just enter his pretend world it's all he can wish for another filthy mess of fox food has been prepared and a new sack of salt fish put to soak in the lake i do hate that chore pioneering i relish ranching i despise at least blue fox ranching the miserable things slink about so in such sick and mean-spirited fashion thursday january twenty-third sometimes the smoke goes up the flue and sometimes down and that's not good for the fire i sit within six inches of the stove with a frozen nose and icy feet the wind sifts through the walls. Now, with our moss caulking shrunken and dried and shriveled further with the cold, our cabin would be light without windows. These are so far the coldest days of winter. Although it blows straight from the north, whence only fair weather comes, the day is dark, with drifting snow-cloud high. The water of the bay is hidden in driving vapor. We cut wood and stuff it everlastingly into the stove. Today seventy pieces for the ravenous airtight. Big chunks have been cut and split, and will cut again tomorrow. But with all the trouble of cold weather, we'd be mightily disappointed if the winter slipped by without it. It's a real satisfaction to find that my calculations in supplies, in bedding, in heating equipment, were just right for conditions here. We're running low now in cereals and milk, but we had planned to visit Seward this month to restock. Olson's absence is quite outside of all plans. If he isn't sick, it's hard to explain reasonably in any way. For the past three weeks I have made on an average no less than one good drawing a day. Really drawings I'm delighted with. I struck a fine stride, and, moreover, a good system for my work here to continue upon. During the day I paint out of doors from nature by way of fixing the forms, and above all the color, of the out-of-doors in my mind. Then, after dark, I go into a trance for a while, with Rockwell subdued into absolute silence. I lie down, or sit with closed eyes, until I see a composition. Then I make a quick note of it, or maybe give an hour's time to perfecting the arrangement on a small scale. Then, when that's done, I'm carefree. Rockwell and I play cards for half an hour. I get supper, he goes to bed. When he's naked, I get him to pose for me in some needed, fantastic position, and make a note of the anatomy in the gesture of my contemplated drawing little rockwell's tender form is my model perhaps for some huge hairy ruffian it's a great joke how i use him generally i have to feel for the bone or tendon that i want to place correctly last night i drew laughing to myself a lion was my subject i have often envied blake and some of the old masters their ignorance of certain forms that let them be at times so delightfully impressively naive i thought it matters not a bit how little you know about the living form provided you proceed to draw the thing according to some definite consistent idea don't conceal your ignorance with a slur 
be definite and precise even there well by golly this lion gave me my chance to be unsophisticated such a silly smirking beast as i drew at last it became somewhat rational and a little dignified but it still looks like a judge in a great wig but a lion that lets a naked youth sleep in his paws as this one does may be expected to be a little unbeastly when i began to write these pages to-night the stars were out now it snows or hails on the roof saturday january twenty fifth it is bitterly cold weather as cold continuously as i've ever experienced both yesterday and to-day the wind has been exceptionally violent and the air full of flying snow both of olson's water-barrels in the house have frozen solid one bulged and burst the bottom rolling itself off onto the floor sunday january twenty sixth a day of hard work with rockwell in bed for a change just a little stomach upset and he's all right now felled a tree and cut up fifteen feet of it taking advantage of this glorious day it was much milder than for days it has been and it still holds so to-night there's no wind and that makes ever so much difference in the cabin now if it will hold calm and mild for a day we'll see whether or not olson is yet ready to return tuesday january twenty eighth i'm reading zarathustra write with blood and thou wilt learn that blood is spirit so that book was written last night i made a drawing of zarathustra leading the ugliest man by the hand out into the night to behold the round moon and the silver waterfall what a book to illustrate the translator of it says that zarathustra is such a being as nietzsche would have liked himself to be in other words his ideal man it seems to me that the ideal of a man is the real man you are that which in your soul you choose to be your most beautiful and cherished vision is yourself what are the true normal conditions of life for any man but just those perfect conditions with which he would ideally surround himself a man is not a sum of discordant tendencies but rather a being perfect for one special place and this is olson's creed my chief criticism of zarathustra is his taste for propaganda why after all concern himself with the mob in picturing his hero as a teacher has not nietzsche been tricked away from a true ideal to an historical one of necessity the great selfish figures of all time have gone down to oblivion it's the will of human society that only the benefactors of mankind shall be cherished in memory a pure ideal is to be the thing yourself concerning yourself no bit with proving it and if the onward path of mankind seems to go another way than yours proud soul let it wednesday january twenty ninth alaska can be cold monday broke all records for the winter tuesday made that seem balmy it was so bitterly cold here last night in our tight little cabin that we had to laugh until ten o'clock when i went to bed the large stove was continuously red-hot and running at full blast and yet by then the water-pails were frozen two inches thick 
but ten feet from the stove and open water at supper-time my fountain-pen was frozen on the table rockwell required a hot-water bottle in bed the fox-food was solid ice my paste was frozen and that's all my potatoes and milk i had stood near the stove at twelve o'clock the clock stopped starting again from the warmth of breakfast cooking i put the water-pail at night behind the stove close to it and yet it was solid in the morning we burn an unbelievable amount of wood at least a cord a week in one stove so i figure we earn a dollar a day cutting wood we felled another tree to-day and cut most of it up still we managed to gain steadily with our woodpile always in anticipation of worse weather last night at sundown the bay appeared indescribably dramatic dense clouds of vapor were rising from the water obscuring all but a few peaks of the mountains and darkening the bay but above the sun shone dazzlingly on the peaks and through the thinner vapor coloring this like flames it was as if a terrible fire raged over the bay this morning for hours it was dark from clouds of vapor they swept in over our land and coated the trees of the shore with white frost yesterday i had to go to the lake and chop out a bag of fish for the foxes i returned covered with ice and the fish were frozen solid before i reached the cabin i cut them up to-day with the axe and cooked a week's supply of food for the foxes rockwell has been a trump the weather can't be too cold for him this morning he pulled his end of the saw without rest he rarely goes out now without his horse lance and sword and he addresses me always as my lord surely lancelot himself was no gentler knight and now it's bedtime the cold is less than last night but still i sit huddled at the stove it is the bitter wind that makes the trouble thursday january thirtieth a splendid day of wood-cutting it was milder and quite windless in our cove although in the bay there were whitecaps a light snow had begun to fall by noon and it continues to increase our lead on the weather we set to work upon a twenty-eight inch tree we had to throw it somewhat against its natural lean and it was a terrible job the wedge would not enter the frozen tree and when it at last did it wouldn't lift the great mass that rested on it only after an hour's continuous pounding with the heavy sledge-hammer did i drive the wedge in clear to the head and then the great tree fell the fall of one of these monsters for to us they seem gigantic is thrilling this one went straight where we had aimed it down a narrow avenue in the woods ripping and crashing it fell carrying down a smaller tree with its limbs then rockwell and i set to work with the saw when the drums were split we hauled them to the cabin on olson's yukon sled and now our woodpile is a joyous sight while within the cabin we have a whole cold day's supply last night just as i was going to bed rockwell began to talk in his sleep about some wild adventure with his imaginary savages i asked him if he were cold no my lord he murmured and slept on very fine barley soup to-day water in which barley had been boiled 
two bullion cubes, onions browned in bacon fat. Rockwell said it was the best yet. Saturday, February 1st. Again the days are like spring. Yesterday began the thaw, and today continues it with rain most of the time. So we've stayed within doors. Sir Lancelot and my lordship working here at our craft. I have just completed my second drawing for the day. One a day has been the rate for a month, but yesterday the spirit didn't work. But the news! A great old tramp steamer entered yesterday that must carry mail and freight and send Olson back to us. If only it were a regular liner, I'd know for sure. It is possible this steamer has been chartered to relieve the situation. Well, the next fair calm day will show. Sunday, February 2nd. It's before supper. Rockwell, who has just run out of doors for a romp, calls at this moment that he has lost his slipper in the snow and is barefooted. Out of doors is to us like another room. Mornings we wash in the snow invariably, and with a mug of water in hand clean our teeth out there, and this in the coldest weather. We scour our pots with snow before washing them, throw the dishwater right out of the door, and generally are in and out all day. It is surely nonsense to think that changes of temperature give men colds. Neither of us has had a trace of a cold this winter. We haven't even used handkerchiefs, only sleeves. Nor does it give one a cold to be cold. I've tried that often enough to know. And a variable climate has, too, nothing to do with it. For what variableness could exceed an Alaska winter? Colds, like bad temper and loss of faith, are a malady of the city crowd. It rains. This moment, the next, it will hail, and then snow. Sometime today the sun has shone, sometime the wind has blown, and for the rest been calm. Altogether it has been too uncertain for us to expect Olson, and now for the sourdough hot cakes and supper, for Rockwell, barley, the marrow of men. Rockwell today asked me how kings earned their living. I said they didn't earn it, just got the people to give it to them. What's that? he said, laughing. Some sort of a joke they play on the people? So I guess it takes education to appreciate privilege. Incidentally, the war must be over and the heroes, having proved by their might that might does not make right, or that it does, now have doffed the soldier's uniform of glory for the little honored clothes of toil. Monday, February 3rd. We are in the second month of Olson's absence. Today it stormed mostly, heavy snow in the morning. Through the thick of it we heard faintly a steamer whistle. It seemed to be receding, outward bound. At four o'clock, while a light snow fell, the lightning played merrily and thunder crashed. It is like this, snow for half an hour, then rain, silence and calm for a few minutes. Suddenly huge hailstones pelt the roof for all the world like rocks. This lasts a few seconds. There's a fierce gust of wind, showering ice and snow from the treetops down upon us, again calm and silence, and the performance is ready to begin again. Tuesday, February 4th. 
It has been so changeable to-day that we are still uncertain of Olson's intentions. We snowshoed down the beach in the beautiful, soft, new snow, so at least to have a look toward Seward. There lay the bay, calm and beautiful, and spotless. The scale of things is so tremendous here that I've little idea how far we shall be able to see the little bobbing boat when it does come. We sawed a lot of wood to-day, bringing our pile clear up into the gable peak. It becomes a mania seeing the pile grow. In quiet weather we cut to forestall the storm. In the storm we still cut to be well ahead for days that may be worse. It is beautifully mild now. On February 1st Rockwell brought in some budding twigs. The alders all seem to be in bud, and some charming red-stemmed shrubs as well. It is midnight and past. My drawing is finished, the stove is piled high for the night, cereal and beans in place upon it, so good night. Wednesday, February 5th. A beautiful snowstorm all the day, and to-night still and mild. Rockwell has been out in it all day dressed in my overalls and mittens. He plays seal and swims in the deep snow. We built a snow house together. It is now about seven feet in diameter inside and as cozy as can be. I'm sure Rockwell will want to sleep there when it's finished. A curtain of icicles hangs before our little window. I have carefully figured the cost of our living here from the food bills all of which I have kept. I have bought $114.82 worth of provisions. I still have on hand $19.10 worth. For 150 days it has cost us 64 cents a day for two or 32 cents each, a little over 10 cents a meal. This for the current high prices everywhere and additionally high in Alaska seems very reasonable living. The figures include the very expensive Christmas luxuries. Friday, February 7th. Yesterday, the sun! For how many days he might have been shining at us, I don't know, for it has been cloudy. However, at noon it was all over the ground about us and shining in at my window. What a joyous sight after months of shadow! Tonight the sun at setting again almost reached us, and yesterday, as if spring had already come, we begin the day with snow baths at sunrise. Ha! That's the real morning bath, and to-day again. We step out of doors and plunge full length into the deep snow, scour our bodies with it, and rush back into the sheltering house and the red-hot stove. To Rockwell belongs all credit or blame for this madness. He will do it, and I'm ashamed not to follow. These two days have been cold and windy north days, but how beautiful! All of the day Rockwell plays out of doors, swimming in the deep snow, now a seal, again a walrus. Gee, he's the great fellow for northern weather. Cooked the filthy fox mess yesterday washed clothes to-day, sawed wood on both. Now it's twelve-thirty at night, and I'm tired. Saturday, February 8th. All about me stand the drawings of my series The Mad Hermit. They look mighty fine to me, myself with whiskers and hair. 
First today, when the storm abated a bit, we sank a bag of fish in the lake, and then started on snowshoes for the ridge to the eastward. The snow lay in the woods there, heavy and deep. No breath of wind had touched it. The small trees, loaded, bent double, making shapes like frozen fountains. Some little trees, with their branches starting far from the ground, formed with their drooping limbs domed chambers about their stems. Coming down, it was great sport. We could slide down even in our sticky snowshoes. Rockwell, who was soaked through, undressed and spent the afternoon naked, playing wild animal about the cabin. Then, at six-thirty, we both had hot baths, and snow baths following. I began to relish the snow bath. Rockwell was the picture of health and beauty afterwards, with his rose-red cheeks and blue eyes. Monday, February 10th. Yesterday morning I bathed in a snowstorm. This morning it was too terribly, howlingly blusterous to run out into it. And now, since one o'clock, it is as calm and mild as it ever could be. Within the cabin it's even more cozy than usual. The snow is banked up against the big window to a third the window's height. By day the light seems curtained, by night doubly bright from reflected lamplight. Heavy drifts are everywhere. Last night fine snow filtered in upon our faces as we slept, but not enough to be uncomfortable. The cabin is fortunately placed as to drifts, and our dooryard remains clear with a splendid bathing bank skirting it. Rockwell is at work now upon multiplication tables. He's a real student and is always seriously occupied with something in his hours indoors. End of chapter 9